Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Hey Mary Kay and the Orange and Brown Talk feed. Doug Maurice filling in for Dan Lobby this week. He's taking a break, but Mary Kay Cabot is here because you can't have Hey Mary Kay without Mary Kay. And Mary Kay, I'm going to tell you I'm excited for this because I'm excited to be back with you. But we're going to run through your insider story from the weekend. And I say this, this is perhaps the greatest compliment that I can give a journalist. Every weekend when you tweet out your insider my stomach jumps. I get excited <laughs> to read it. And like, in the end, is that not why we do this, Mary Kay? So people get excited to read the stuff that we're putting out into the world. So everybody, of course, if you listen to this, you're reading cleveland.com slash Browns. But Mary Kay, like this, when you do that insider, that's just like the collection of nuggets and knowledge that you have gathered over the course of several days. And then boom, you drop it on us. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I try to work on throughout the week, trying to find uh, little bits of information, uh, little tidbits of things. I work the phones a lot. I try to uh, come up with as many things that I can. And it's a little bit stressful because sometimes I think, my goodness, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to be able to pull it off this week. And uh, and somehow it seems to uh, it seems to come together. But before we get started, also, Doug, I have to say, uh, I really need to compliment you on your amazing quarterback roster building theory. That was a great piece. I stopped the world and spent uh, my morning, uh, a nice chunk of my morning reading that. It's long, it's thorough, it's satisfying. And uh, you put so much work into that. So good for you. And you guys go out and read that, please, as soon as you can. Well, I appreciate that, Mary Kay. That was a 4,000 word effort, but I only write like once a month. You write like 10 (laughs) times a week. So I can take time and do something like that. Um, All right. We want to dive into this insider. And you said that we could just sort of go through. So I'm going to go like in the order of the things that I am really interested in. And there is a guy who is just of particular interest to me. You've mentioned him a couple of times. And it's Levante David, the linebacker from Tampa. I'm fascinated to see where the Browns go at linebacker. They obviously have holes there. They obviously did not invest at that position a year ago. And it's clear that they probably will do something right at that position, whether it's in the draft or in free agency or both, but man, a veteran like Levante David, who's coming off a ring and you saw, I mean, he's a little, he's over 30, but man, he can still move. He can cover, he can tackle. 
like I, I maybe it's a stretch. I don't know. But whenever you put his name out there, Mary Kay, like that gets me juiced up because a guy like that makes so much sense to me. I know. And boy, you know, I think he would just be the perfect fit for the Cleveland Browns in so many ways. Not only the things that you mentioned about what he can do on the field, but this guy is a very vocal leader. And I actually think they could use another guy like that on defense, depending, of course, on whether or not B.J. Goodson is coming back. Because B.J. Goodson has that way about him as well. Uh, you know, the the sort of established leader of the defense, of course, is Miles Garrett. But he's not really necessarily sort of a, a vocal guy. That doesn't come naturally to him. He's more of a guy that likes to lead by example. And he did jump out of his comfort zone a little bit last season, but it's just really not in his wheelhouse. Not so with Levante David. This guy is that, that player that you think of sort of the face of the defense. That's what he is for the Bucks, which is also a reason why they do not want to let him go. I mean, they just really don't want to let him go at the boat parade. Bruce Arians grabbed the mic when somebody asked Levante David, are you coming back? And he said, you know, something like, yes, your ass is coming back here or something along those lines. They don't want to let him go. However, there is something called the negotiating period that happens between March 15th and March 17th. This gives players, it's a pre-negotiating period. It gives players an opportunity to see what they can get on the open market without making a commitment. And it gives your current club the opportunity to see if they are going to be willing to match that. And the Browns will have a lot of players that they'll be dealing with of their own in those two days as well. But that's a chance for the Browns to throw some money at Levante David and see if he can take it back to the Bucs. And they either say yay or nay. And I'm saying there's a chance. He reminds me a little bit. I got all juiced up about for like a day last offseason about Malcolm Jenkins at safety, a similar guy like that. Who's listen now, Malcolm Jenkins is older than Levante David, but like a veteran who still can play at a pretty high level, but brings you a little bit more. And that is fascinating that this, and I think David hits a sweet spot of, as you said, in the insider, he hasn't lost a step. I'm not trying to, you're not making excuses for a guy. I mean, I think you're getting close to peak performance here, but I think I agree with you. The idea of, somebody who's both a player and a voice in that locker room take maybe a little of the load off of miles garrett and really bring that back end together and i think it's an important thing to note here mary Kay. and you're you've noted it many times the insider you did this weekend with some possibilities that we're about to enter a world where a gazillion more names are going to get out there because of the cap situation how many guys are going to be cut loose and so levante david is a great name but mary Kay, i would imagine there will be some other veteran linebackers who can still play who aren't out there yet, but will be out there in the next week that could also fit this mode that in general, Mary Kay are the idea of a veteran linebacker, just that in general, just make a lot of sense to you. Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, I think they need to invest in a really good proven veteran linebacker if they can get one. Obviously, Levante David would be number one on the list. And as you mentioned, he really hasn't lost a step. And when you're looking at these veteran free agents and you're talking about a guy that starts to get to 30, 31 and 32, certain positions you can go there like offensive line, you can go with a little bit of an older guy. Some defensive linemen, you can go with a little bit of an older guy. 
I think you can do it with linebacker too, even though he does have to move a lot. Now with a cornerback, you might not want to do it because at 32, you're going to have a hard time uh, keeping up with some of these young receivers. But I think you can do it at linebacker. And he is drinking from the same fountain of youth as Tom Brady. So I, I still think that he has, I, I did not see him lose a step at all last year. I think he can come in and be that guy for you. If you can't get your hands on him, another one to look at is Matt Milano from the Bills. Another really good linebacker uh, that, that can cover, that can tackle, that can do all the things that you would need him to do. So he's somebody else that I would definitely keep an eye on. Now, you're going to have to pay these guys. You're going to have to – both of these guys are going to be in the double-digit millions. I mean, if you want to pry Levante David away from the Bucks, you're probably going to have to pay him like $13 million a year, and that's a lot of money. Uh, and you might have to start moving some money around in other places in order to pull it off. But uh, I think it's worth it. I would like to see them end up with a guy like that. I mean, that price, I don't think they paid all their linebackers combined $13 million last year. You know, I mean, that, that's what we're talking about here. They were dancing in the two, two and a half, one and a half kind of million dollar per linebacker thing last year. So that's why they didn't resign Joe Schobert because they didn't want to dance on this dance floor. But this is this is the thing again. The franchise is in a little bit of a different place. If you're in a win now mode, you know, is linebacker the priority in the draft compared to positional value of corner and edge rusher and that kind of thing? Maybe not. But like this could be an expenditure in this kind of win now window. We just saw what Levante David and Devin White did for the Bucks, right? I mean, linebacker play really mattered against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And that's not the only thing the Browns would go on, but I think it is an interesting, this could be a window for linebacker, linebacker spending for the Browns that I think you've really hit on with Levante David. All right, let's go to another name that I was surprised to see in here. And I'm intrigued by it, but I don't exactly know how all the pieces here would fit together. And that's Brashad Perriman mm -hmm. at receiver. And when we are in a world where they have Odell Beckham, they have Jarvis Landry. They seem like they are interested in keeping Rashard Higgins and they have Donovan Peoples-Jones. And we also know where receiver sort of fits in the Kevin Stefanski offense. Paramount's an interesting name. As everybody knows, they had him. They let him go. They were going to keep him. And then they got Odell and then they let him go. And Rashad Perryman has been pretty productive. How would that piece fit Mary Kay potentially with the other, like four receivers that they have? And that's not mentioning Kadero Hodge. But it seems like they have four receivers they like and would like to keep. Is Perriman more of a name like if they don't keep all their guys or could they fit him in any way? Well, you know, I think he probably would have been more likely to happen had they done something with an Odell Beckham Jr. But I really don't see that happening now. And that's for a couple of reasons. And that is because, first of all, he's coming off of a torn ACL. Second of all, he's got a high salary. Therefore, there are not going to be that many takers. The market probably isn't going to be there this offseason. If it were going to be there, I think we would have heard about it by now. These trades kind of take place before the league years opens. And you kind of have an idea that people are going to be interested. And I just don't think the market has been there. I haven't heard that it is there. I would be hearing something by now. I would be hearing the rumblings. And I'm not hearing those rumblings. So I think that's why you kind of hear 
Andrew Barry in his Zoom last week and Kevin Stefanski in his Zoom and even later with Keyshawn Johnson in an interview kind of saying, yeah, we think, uh, you know, we want Odell back and we think we're moving forward with, you know, with Jarvis and Odell. We always knew they were going to move forward with Jarvis. We were never really quite sure what was going to happen to Odell. I believe they would have listened to offers this year. I don't think any of those things materialized. So therefore, you've got over $30 million in cap space tied up with those two guys. That's a lot. That's a big chunk. That's almost 17% of the cap if it's somewhere around 180-ish. So that's a consideration. Rashard Higgins, how does he fit into the mix? Well, Rashard, in that negotiating window that we're talking about from March 15th to March 17th, is going to find out if somebody is willing to pay him the $6 million that SpotRack says is his market value. If somebody is going to give him $6 million a year, even though it would break his heart to walk out the door, I think he would kind of have to walk out the door. Because if somebody's going to give you a multi-year deal worth that amount of money, you're setting yourself up for life. You're setting your family up potentially for life, right? So I think he would have to seriously consider an offer like that. In that scenario, then maybe you do turn your attention mm. to a Brashard pyramid because Brashard walked and then you go with Brashard. Now, the good thing about Brashard is that he brings a speed that they really need. He gives you that big time downfield threat. So I think he gives you something different than what Richard does. Uh, and I think it's a necessary element. But I think Richard would be the, the priority and then maybe the backup plan could be Richard. I, I don't think that they can afford to do both of them unless the market just isn't there for either of them and you get both at a very reasonable price. And then as you mentioned, then you're trying to figure out how do we get the ball to all these guys? And Kevin Stefanski said something interesting last week. And that was, um, you know, we will tailor our offense to fit the personnel that we have. If the front office gives us a bunch of really good receivers, then we're going to play more three wides is basically what I took from that. It is very interesting with Higgins and people are going to get tired of me saying this. I keep saying it. Good teams lose good players. Like that's going to be a sign of this franchise's growth and success is you guys listen to this being like, I can't believe they lost that guy. Not because like maybe at the Browns of the past, like the free agents couldn't wait to get out of here or the Browns screwed something up with the guy who maybe wanted to be here, but that ideally the franchise would like to keep the good player. The good player would like to stay here. But as you said, Mary Kate, the money doesn't make it possible because what happens is if Rashard Higgins is the third best receiver on the Browns, but he would be the second best receiver on another team and another team is ready to pay him like a number two receiver, but the Browns really can't because he's their number three receiver. That's called being good as, as important as he has been, as much as we're all aware of the Baker Mayfield, Rashard Higgins connection. It sounds like that's what you're saying. It could just be a reality of life in the NFL that even if in his heart, he doesn't want to do it. He has to do it. And there might be a breakup here coming that neither side wants, but is staring everybody in the face. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Now I believe that the best place for Richard Higgins is with the Cleveland Browns. Some players go somewhere else and they find out 
that they were just suited to a team. I rem- remember Terrell Pryor had a thousand yep. yards with, with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, he just was not going to do that anywhere else. So Richard Higgins, he has this natural chemistry with Baker Mayfield. They developed it by repping it over and over. I watched it with my own two eyes. <laughs> they developed it in training camp in Baker Mayfield's rookie year. And those guys just, you just knew. Uh, that they were going to get ready to take that out onto the field in a game and do some pretty spectacular things together. And so he has overachieved, uh, but a lot of that is because he's so good with Baker and vice versa. So I think this is the best place for him. So he's going to have to weigh that. He's going to have to weigh the money versus the opportunity to excel and to really shine in an offense. And it's going to be very interesting to see how it works out. Because one of those, I mean, like the way the contracts work in the NFL, Mary Kay, he could go somewhere for bigger money, sort of flame out, maybe get cut after a year, not get as much as the total money where maybe here with the Browns, maybe he wouldn't make as much per year. But if it was a longer term fit, he could make more money over the life of it less per year, but a longer run to his success, right? There is not, not only, so maybe if his heart's in Cleveland, is there also a way where the, the head, the financial head could also justify Cleveland if the money's close? Because I think we're, it's very possible he gets a higher offer somewhere, but maybe there would be reason, don't take just the absolute highest offer. Yes, absolutely. 100%. If the money is close enough that it's not going to be life changing, that's the key. If it's not life changing money, then stay here because this is a career changing opportunity. If the money is going to change your life and for the rest of your life, you know, you are going to be set then I think you owe it to yourself to probably do that. Now, one of the key issues here will be guaranteed money. You know, that's what you kind of want to look for. You don't want to look for, you know, one of those sort of, you know, fake contracts where, you know, you do flame out after a year and you don't make as much as you could have made here. So guaranteed money is an issue as well. And, you know, that could be the thing that, you know, that puts him over the top with another team. If they offer him a four-year deal worth $24 million with whatever, $8 million guaranteed or whatever the case may be that guarantee could be the thing that helps him make up his mind. I just, I, the thing you just hit on there, the difference between career changing and life changing that this, the situation can be career changing, but if the money is life changing, that kind of trumps everything. The distinction between those two things is such an absolutely fascinating yet pinpoint distinction because sometimes, I mean, listen, man, they can't, if it's guaranteed, they can't take it away. That goes in your bank account, whether you have 12 catches that year or 100 catches that year. And you, sometimes in life, you can put yourself in what you know is not the best situation if the money's right. Because life-changing and career-changing in the NFL are two different things. And Mary Kay Cabot just told you why. We will take a quick break. We'll be right back. Two more fascinating players from the Mary Kay Insider that we want to talk about here on Hey Mary Kay on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, Doug Lamarie is back with Mary Kay Cabot. And again, a lot, all these things, nothing exists in a vacuum, right? So there is an interesting name in Mary Kay's Insider that's tied to an interesting story that Mary Kay Cabot just wrote. And I wanted to make sure that people saw this 
this tweet from Greedy Williams, who talked with Mary Kay several days ago exclusively. Here's the struggles through the first six months. Mary Kay Cabot, I personally don't like interviews, but you're a great reporter that does very well with stories. Thanks for the great interview. Hashtag return of greedy. So if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you read it. If you didn't read it, go read it. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Mary Kay Cabot, this is what happens when you're around and people trust you. You build the relationships that allow somebody like Greedy Williams to talk with Mary Kay Cabot about what's going on with his life and his career, which brings us to Marshawn Lattimore. Ohio State guy, Glenville guy. If we want to take a 10-minute detour for me to tell a story about standing on the high school athletic field at Glenville High School talking to Marshawn Lattimore about how Nick Saban and Alabama were trying to come up here and recruit him and steal him from Ohio State, we could take a 10-minute detour. But this is not, hey, Yappy Doug. This is, <laughs> hey, Mary Kay Cabot. So he plays for New Orleans. He was a defensive rookie of the year when he came out. He's still a very high-level corner. But to me, Mary Kay, again, this is connected a little bit to Greedy Williams. Terrence Mitchell played that spot last year as the second outside corner opposite Denzel Ward while Greedy was out. If Greedy is back and is Greedy, this is a second-round pick that they drafted to rely on as a starter, then then maybe Marshawn Lattimore doesn't make sense. If you have any hesitation about Greedy, then Marshawn Lattimore is a high-priced but very interesting second corner. How do you think Marshawn Lattimore or a player like him and Greedy Williams are or are not connected, Mary Kay? Well, they are definitely connected. Absolutely 100%. And this is something to really consider and look at in this situation. First of all, the plan and the goal is for Greedy Williams to come back and be that starting cornerback opposite Denzel Ward in 2021. That's what everybody hopes will happen. That's what the Browns hope. That's what Greedy Williams hopes will happen. And fortunately for him, when he had his what's called an EMG test uh, this past week, when the needles were put in, the muscle fired for the very first time. It's why he got so excited and tweeted out Greedy's back. Uh, So good for him. Uh, That's so exciting for him and so exciting for the Browns. But he also did tell me that he's 60% of the way there right now. Now, that's good, uh, but... Uh, He needs to get up to 85, 90%, which is what he said is going to be about the ceiling. Every expectation that he will get there. By the same token, you have to plan for the possibility that he might not be able to play all 16 games. So you need really good depth, not only for Greedy Williams, but also for Denzel Ward. Because Denzel, every year, is going to miss, or at least traditionally has missed, about four games. So therefore... We know, especially in in this defense and most defenses nowadays, that you cannot have too many good starting cornerbacks. You just can't. I mean, it is a it's a good problem to have. If you ended up with Greedy, Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward, you're going to be in really great shape in your defensive backfield, especially with Grant Delpit coming back, Ronnie Harrison and some of the other guys that you're going to acquire and reset. If it were me. I would be on the phone right now trying to make that trade for Marshawn Lattimore. How do I feel about the fact that you would then have to turn around and pay Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore, both a very large sum of money? I'm cool with that. Why? Because there are certain positions that are worth it. There are certain positions that are not. But 
cornerback is one of them. And right now, of course, Greedy is still on a rookie contract. So so he's not a a huge sum of money. Denzel will be, uh, and, and Marshawn Lattimore will be, but, but I think you can do it, especially because the cap is going to increase. I mean, this year's cap is, is one that is impacted dramatically by the COVID-19 revenue shortfalls. Instead of a 210 million cap, it's going to go down to probably around 185-ish is what we're thinking. Um, But next year, especially with television contracts that we're hearing these astronomical sums, uh, I think the cap is going to raise considerably. And therefore, you should easily be able to pay for a Denzel Ward and a Marshawn Lattimore and end up with one of the best defensive backfields in the NFL. You know who else thinks that cornerback is a position worth paying for? The Browns. I mean, like mm-hmm. what, what you're talking about here, this is real stuff. This is like positional value, where, where you decide to spend your money. And again, I'll tell you a quick little story. I mean, back when Denzel Ward was arriving on the scene at Ohio State, I had a very famous in my own mind disagreement with Ohio State's cornerbacks coach about were they really going to rotate Denzel Ward in? Because they had two awesome cornerbacks in Marshawn Lattimore and Garyon Conley. And this coach said, yeah, we're going to rotate him. And I said, I'll believe it when I see it. And they did rotate Denzel Ward in with Marshawn Lattimore and Garyon Conley. They played three corners at the two outside corner spots. Marshawn Lattimore and Garyon Conley were first round picks in that next draft. And the year later, Denzel Ward was a first round pick. They had three first round corners rotating through two spots. That formula, it keeps them fresh in a game. It keeps them fresh for a season. I don't know that you would anticipate either of them playing a lot of inside corner or slot corner, right? But if if, you're, if a guy like Kevin Johnson got hurt, you could do that. You wouldn't maybe be relying on MJ Stewart or whatever, right? That That's a backup there in an emergency. But the idea of, and it's sort of what I believe like with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, you pay extra money because you raise the value of both of them by having both. I think there's a way that you could raise the value of Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and Marshawn Lattimore by having three, and yet you keep them a little fresh. And when it's time to defend Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the playoffs, they're all three fresh and good to go. So I think, Mary Kay, it sounds like a lot of money, right? The On first blush, when you're trying to tell me, what? Marshawn and Denzel, my initial reaction to seeing him in your insider is too much money. But you know what? The, the, with the cap maneuvering you're talking about, by the time it really would be a lot of money, they'd have the room to do it. Like you think you're saying you would be on the phone. This is not saying, is it going to happen? But you actually, this is a realistic scenario for multiple reasons how this could fit together. Yes, I, I really do believe so. And we know just from seeing his tweets, how much he loves Cleveland. And you know yep. that better than anybody uh, that he would love to be here. Right. He would sure. love to play. He would love to be reunited with Denzel. And I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, he has an extra special place in his heart for his hometown Cleveland Browns. And I think it would be that way also uh, for Marshawn. And those guys, this is another interesting aspect of this. They have the same agent, Denzel and Marshawn have the same agent. So that's kind of an interesting aspect to it as well. So I would have to think that by now there at least have been some 
conversations about this in some universe. The other thing to consider is uh, when you are factoring all of this in is that you have some options with Denzel Ward's contract. He is, like Baker Mayfield, a first round pick from 2018, and he is due uh, a fifth year option May 3rd. So they'll pick up the fifth year option and then the Browns need to make a decision at that point. Do they extend Denzel right away or do they let him, you know, get to the fifth year option and the, you know, or do it after next year is probably what you would do. You would let him play out this year and then maybe revisit and do the extension after this season. So there are some ways to kind of play around with it a little bit in terms of the money. Now, Denzel versus Baker, when you're talking about extensions, they are in two different stratospheres. So you're not going to break the bank necessarily by paying Denzel what, what he's owed. When you have to pay Baker, you're breaking your bank. It's going to be the largest sum of money you've ever paid a player in the history of your franchise. So Denzel, if they do it this offseason, you know, that wouldn't be a shocker. Uh, but that is at least another thing to consider when you're thinking about taking on a Marshawn Lattimore and the money that you're going to have to pay him. All right. Last position here that we want to deal with. And I think this is the one, a lot of the things we're talking about here, Mary Kay. All right. They're going to do something at linebacker, but they, they maybe won't do a high price linebacker. It's not a sure thing. I mean, maybe it'll do it in the draft. Maybe it'll be mid tier guys. You know, a corner would be great. I mean, they might not do anything. They might decide that it's Denzel and Greedy, and then you bring in like a medium veteran, right? Whatever. I think this last position, they're doing something. So it's just a matter of who. And that's defensive end in the Olivier Vernon spot. And you listed some interesting people. And so what I'm most curious about is they're going to get somebody, right? When I did like, hey, my three moves they should make like a month and a half ago, you know, the defensive end, I plucked out of thin air in that moment. The edge rusher was Bud Dupree. And I mentioned Hassan Reddick, whatever. You mentioned Hassan Reddick. We know they just went after J.J. Watt. But there is a really interesting name within the division that you spent some time on. I don't think we have to debate whether they're going to do something at edge rusher. They are. There are too many options out there. So now we're into the who, not the will they. It's the who. And, man, this is a Bengal. Woo! I kind of like that name, Mary Kay. What, what, what are we talking about here? You know, we're talking about Carl Lawson. He's 25 years old. He only had five and a half sacks last season, uh, but he was the number nine pass rusher, according to Pro Football Focus. And that's because I think he had like 64 pressures. And I think that the sack production would increase considerably on this defensive line. I really do. I could see him as a double digit sack guy kind of almost easily. I think he'd be a tremendous compliment to miles Garrett, the age. I mean, my goodness, 25 years old. Are you kidding me? Right. Uh, I just think that, that he would be tremendous. Once again, you would be strengthening yourself. You would also be kind of weakening the Bengals, which, you know, that's always a good thing. Uh, so he's somebody that I would be very intrigued by. Now, the Bengals are going to make every effort to keep him. And that might take franchising him. We will know. I don't even know now if we're going to know by Tuesday because they might push that back a little bit. But if he is out there and available, uh, he's somebody that, that I think the Browns will be interested in and should be interested in. 
And the other thing here too is, I mean, like, I don't want to overstep. Am I the premise of they're going to get somebody, yeah, right? I mean, right. there's too but there's too many. You know, they they dance with JJ Watt. If they, if Carl Lawson doesn't work out, it seems like there are a lot of options here, and they have enough cap flexibility that it feels like you know, will they pay ten million a year? for an edge rusher will they pay eight will they pay 14 right that's sort of right that there's the there's the degree they could go for more of a veteran maybe a guy in a prove it deal maybe a shorter term thing or they could go for like a younger guy like carl lawson who if you bring him in you are now adding him to your foundation right if you add carl lawson then it's like okay well what is the future of the browns well it's baker it's nick chubb it's Miles Garrett, it's Denzel Ward, and it's Carl Lawson, right? If you will go that road, that's how big of a move that would be. They just have to decide it's going to be a move. They just have to decide how big to go with this edge rusher move, right? Yes, you're very right about that. I think that they will end up with one of these guys. There's almost no doubt in my mind uh, that they will. And as I, I think I may have written in the in the insider, it's like a, a smorgasbord of edge rushers. They have different sizes, different levels of experience. They've got different salary categories. So uh, they're going to end up with one of them. Uh, now, because they didn't end up with a J.J. Watt, I sort of think I would trend towards one of the younger guys. Go in the 25-year-old range, the 26-year-old range. Another one to think about, and there are plenty. You mentioned Bud Dupree. So much to like about him as well. Another one to think about is Yannick Nagakaway. They tried to trade for him last year when he was with the Jaguars. Things got messed up. He was in the middle of an agent switch. Things fell by the wayside. He gets traded to Minnesota. Then he gets traded to the Baltimore Ravens. So once again, you have an opportunity here to strengthen yourself while also kind of grabbing a guy away from an AFC North rival, which is always attractive. Uh, and last year he was able to come up with eight sacks dis despite the fact that he was transitioning to a new team uh, that's combined between the Vikings and the Ravens. But once again, young, he really wanted to play here last year. He really liked a lot about the Cleveland Browns and was hoping to land here. That eight sacks that he got, I think can easily and quickly translate into double digit sacks. So I would also put him high on the list along with others like Hassan Reddick. And as you mentioned, Bud Dupree, Carl Lawson, they're going to end up with one of these guys. All right. Last thing. And then we'll let you get out of here, Mary Kay. The, the idea that again, there I've, I've seen enough people say this could be like a bloodbath that there are just going to be so many good players who are going to be let go because of the reduced cap because of COVID-19. When I hear that and when I see where the Browns are with their cap. And when I think about Andrew Barry, I get excited because to me, it feels like, well, if that's what happening is happening in the league, when something like that happens, there will be teams that will be hurt by that. There'll be teams that will be neither here nor there. And there will be teams that will be helped by that because they will have the strategy and the flexibility to take advantage of it. I'm thinking the Browns would be helped by this, that a, they're, they're a winning team. Now, maybe if there's guys who have options, this might be a place they want to come play, but they also might have the strategy and the flexibility to pounce. Is that how you're potentially viewing what might happen with this, this free fall that may be coming this free for all. Yes. And you know what? 
it's almost like a pre free agency free agency that could potentially happen beginning this week when you start to see some of these heads roll. And it is going to be like almost like Christmas where all of a sudden you have an opportunity to get a hold of some guys that you never thought you would be able to. And the Browns are in, in really good shape to be able to do that. Now they have uh, rolled over almost $30 million in cap space. So they've got room to play with that leaves them with roughly somewhere in the $25 million range, I think uh, in terms of cap space. So they, they, they just can't go out. I mean, they're not like some teams like the jets where they just have this unlimited amount of money to spend. It's not like that, but they can do some things. They can do some things that they want to do while also keeping in mind that they have some, uh, that they have some of their own guys that they're going to probably need to extend pretty soon. So, you know, they have that, they've got the, you know, the rookie pool that they have to a lot for and things like that, but they've got money to participate in uh, the little bounty that's coming. All right. I mean, this is how, this is how Super Bowl teams are made. I mean, there might be a move that's made in the next couple weeks here with the Cleveland Browns. That's the difference making move that takes them from a team that won 11 games and won one playoff game to a team that can win more regular season games and go further in the playoffs. That's what we're talking about here. They have the core, but now you build on the core and that's how you go from good to great. And we will cover that here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast feed. We will cover it constantly at cleveland.com slash Browns. Make sure you're reading there. And again, if you're a tech subscriber, if you're a football insider who gets this Browns knowledge, man, you know what's up. You know that Mary Kay is bringing it every day, the rest of our Browns team. So Mary Kay, thanks for the knowledge. I get, you know, this is you and Dan do this now, but I get a little butterfly in my stomach when I see the insider and I got a little excited today. Hey, I get to come back on Hey Mary Kay. So great hanging out. Yeah, that was fun. I was uh, glad to, to be on here with you. That was great. All right. Keep it locked here. More great podcasts ahead this week. From Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening to Hey, Mary Kay.